Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirchner. In today's long-form weekend podcast, Glenn begins with some good news and explains why the color orange now gives him the creeps. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Welcome once again to my weekend audio podcast, Justice Matters. We are ready to air it out. <laughs> Last week was quite a week on the legal landscape, and the week ahead promises to be really interesting, particularly this coming Monday because in an appellate courtroom in Washington, D.C., a three-judge panel will be taking up Judge Chutkin's gag order of Donald Trump. I think what we have all learned is the courts seem to have a gag reflex because these gag orders are on again and off again and on again and off again. And the minute they get paused, Donald Trump begins threatening and endangering witnesses. You would think the system would learn at some point the necessity to keep these gag orders in place, but as I say, it looks like they have a gag reflex, and it's working to the detriment, to the danger of the witnesses and judges and their staff and the prosecutors and the jurors and the prospect of justice, justice for we the people, the American voters, because in a very real and direct sense, given the prosecution in Washington, D.C., friends, the American voters are the victims. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but I actually want to start with the silver lining. I'm beginning to feel compelled to start each weekend podcast with a little bit of silver lining. You know, that little sliver of light that is hiding behind the big dark cloud that is Donald Trump. Maybe we should say the big orange cloud. You know, I used to like the color orange and now I tend to shy away from it. And I'm not just saying that. Let me give you a quick example, a little behind the scenes. You know, I sit in my office slash studio in downtown Leesburg, Virginia, every day, seven days a week. And when I'm doing my daily Justice Matters videos and when I'm doing my daily MSNBC appearances, I have to get not dressed, but half dressed because, you know, you only see me from the waist up. So yes, I'm wearing a sport coat or a jacket. Yes, I'm wearing a shirt and tie, but I can promise you I'm always wearing sweatpants or shorts, right? And I have to pick out the tie to wear on each MSNBC appearance. So I have an old wooden tie rack. It's actually a tie rack that I made in woodshop in high school for my grandmother and grandfather, my late grandparents. And I have it affixed to the wall in my studio. And it has about eight or 10 pegs on it. And I am not anal. Well, one, I'm not a clothes horse. And two, I'm not at all anal. So I'm not big on organization. One look at my desk can tell you that. But what I've done is I've lined up my ties in color order. It just makes it easier for me to decide which tie I want to pick. And the first peg has all my purple ties because Truth be told, purple's my favorite color. The next peg has the blue ties. The next peg has 
dark, like black ties. The next peg has multicolored ties. The last two pegs, as you make your way through my homemade tie rack, the last two pegs, next to last is red, maybe for obvious reasons. And the very last peg has the orange ties. And I find that I, I can't even bring myself to reach for the orange ties anymore. Well, what does that say about the damage that Donald Trump has done, you know, all the way down to, you know, basically making the color orange verboten, not something you want to wear because God forbid it reminds you of the big orange one, the big orange stain on our nation, the big orange blowfish, as I often refer to him when I'm talking about the nation's biggest criminal fish. It is the big orange blowfish, Donald Trump. Okay, enough of that nonsense, friends. I wish, you know, this is an audio podcast. I wish I could post a picture of my tie rack so you could get a visual of what I just described. I'll figure out some way to post a picture somewhere, maybe on Twitter or threads or Instagram, maybe Instagram. On the way, Glenn talks about Judge Chutkin's determination to start Trump's election interference trial on March 4th. That's next on Justice Matters. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. D.C. Judge Tanya Chutkin has set a date for jury selection to begin on February 9th in Donald Trump's trial for trying to overthrow the 2020 election. Glenn says he will be in court that day to watch the proceedings. Now, let me get back to the silver lining, because I think from now on, friends, I'm going to start with that little sliver of light behind the big dark cloud. And because it's there, it's there. We often lose sight of it because there seems to be so much bad news and not as much good news on the legal front as we would like. But here is today's little sliver of light. March 4th. March 4th is the day Donald Trump's criminal trial in Washington, D.C. is scheduled to begin. Now, even earlier than that, about a month earlier, February 9th, Judge Chutkin has directed that prospective jurors, the jury pool, all of the people who have been summoned to court as possible jurors in Trump's D.C. prosecution. February 9, they're all coming down to the courthouse. I think I'm going to go hang out at the courthouse that day just to get my sort of dose of justice, maybe get my justice goosebumps flowing, watching the jurors, hundreds of them streaming in to the courthouse. Why are they coming down on February 9? Because they're going to be filling out juror questionnaires. That is the first step in the jury selection process. And that shows Judge Chutkin's determination to get this case in the chute and get it ready for trial beginning on March 4th. So they'll be filling out these lengthy juror questionnaires. Those questionnaires will then be provided to the parties, the defense attorneys and the prosecutors, and they will go through them to see which jurors answered questions in a way that tend to qualify them, right? Show that they can be 
fair and impartial jurors base their decision in the case only on the facts and the evidence introduced at trial and not at all on any preconceived biases, prejudices, you know, political or ideological, you know, strong feelings that might make it difficult for them to base their verdict exclusively on the evidence and not on their politics or their feelings one way or another, pro or con when it comes to Donald Trump. Con is probably an appropriate word to use there. And then after they go through the juror questionnaires and they figure out, okay, this batch of jurors may be able to sit fairly and impartially, they'll move to the second phase of jury selection. That will begin on March 4th in the courthouse in open court when they will engage in jury selection, what we call voir dire, right? Loosely translated, it means to speak the truth, voir dire. And then they will ask jurors lots of follow-up questions based on the questionnaires they filled out. And then ultimately a jury will be seated, will be impaneled. So the little bit of light lurking behind the big dark cloud is that Judge Chutkin, everything she has said, everything she has done, everything that I know about her, and I know quite a bit about her from my time as a prosecutor when I was trying murder cases against Tanya Chutkin when she was a public defender in Washington, D.C., and I was a federal homicide prosecutor. We tried murder cases against one another, and you do get to take the measure of your opponent, me of her, her of me, when you are trying murder cases against one another in the courts of Washington, D.C. And I have the utmost respect for not only the defense attorney she was, but for the judge that she is. I've watched her in court many times, most directly in J6 cases, because she's presided over lots of the cases involving Donald Trump's foot soldiers who attacked the U.S. Capitol trying to stop Joe Biden's election win. And I've said it before, Judge Chutkin, don't play. She is determined. Everything she said, everything she has done proves to me she's determined to get this trial started. In earnest on March 4th and even earlier with the jurors coming down to court on February 9th. And I don't think there's anything that she will allow to happen that will derail that March trial date. So Donald Trump will be a convicted felon sometime in April or May would be my estimation of how long the trial will take. And the evidence is overwhelming. So once we get into trial proper based on the evidence, that jury will convict Donald Trump so fast it will make his head spin. And I'm gonna talk in a future podcast about the ins and outs of jury selection and why I continue to believe that the prosecutors, that we the people can and will seat a fair and impartial jury that will decide Donald Trump's guilt or innocence based exclusively on the evidence introduced during the course of the trial and they will convict him so fast it will make his head spin. So that is the silver lining, the sliver of light lurking behind the big orange cloud. Judge Chutkin is determined to get this case to trial. And I think the only thing that could derail it is if there is some issue that he's able to appeal all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court issued a stay, a temporary pause in the trial date to resolve whatever legal issue he manages to bubble up to the Supreme Court, though I don't think there are any, right? There are only two motions that have been made by Donald Trump's defense attorneys that have the possibility of being appealed, and that is absolute immunity, which to use a legal term is stone cold bullshit. It's a legal term in the streets of New Jersey anyway, where I'm, where I'm from, right? You can take the kid out of Jersey, you can't take the Jersey out of the kid. So absolute immunity, which is absolute nonsense, there is no legal precedent saying that a president is absolutely immune from prosecution for the crimes he committed while president or thereafter. And double jeopardy, and that's even more laughable than the absolute immunity claim. 
But those two legal issues, stick with me here because I'm gonna get to the legal recap in a minute, friends. But sometimes when my mental train is on a track headed a particular way, it's tough for me to reroute it. So let me just take this one to the end. The two legal issues that are susceptible to an interlocutory appeal. Now that's a mouthful of legal mumbo jumbo. What I mean by that is in a criminal case when a defendant wants to appeal something that a judge has done, ordinarily they have to wait until the end of the trial, until they are convicted, until they are sentenced, and that's when their appellate rights kick in. That's when they file a notice of appeal, ultimately an appellate brief, and then they have an oral argument on the issues they raised, and then the appellate court decides the issues. There are a couple of limited exceptions to that. And as you've probably guessed, two of those limited exceptions are if somebody is actually immune from prosecution and the judge denies them that immunity and forces them to go to trial, well, if they actually have immunity, they shouldn't be forced to go to trial. So that's an issue that the courts have said that can be appealed early in piecemeal fashion. It's called an interlocutory appeal before the trial actually occurs because in fairness, friends, and you know, I will vigorously defend and protect and preserve the rights of a defendant. I did that as a prosecutor and I continue to believe our system needs to fight for the rights of defendants and not run roughshod over them, not violate them. Now, Donald Trump has no legitimate claim to immunity, but sometimes defendants do, and that's why the courts have said, okay, we're not gonna force you to go to trial. We're gonna resolve this immunity thing first, and if the judge denies your request or your assertion that you're immune, we're gonna let you appeal that early before the trial. That's one issue, so he can appeal it, he will lose, because he doesn't have absolute immunity, but the system says he can appeal it. Double jeopardy is the other one. If you have a viable double jeopardy claim, that means basically you were tried criminally for this exact charge previously, and you were found guilty, or you were found not guilty, but the issue, this case has been resolved already in the courts, and you can't be tried a second time, because that would violate the Constitution's double jeopardy clause. So the system has said that if you raise a double jeopardy clause, you shouldn't be forced to go to trial a second time. If the judge denies your double jeopardy motion, we're gonna let you appeal that early in piecemeal fashion, interlocutory appeal. Fair is fair, I agree with that doctrine because nobody should be tried a second time if the Constitution prohibits it. The thing is, friends, the Constitution doesn't prohibit it here because Donald Trump hasn't even been tried a first time. Again, his double jeopardy claim, I apologize in advance, is stone cold bullshit. <sighs> okay, now, finishing up on the little sliver of light discussion, Judge Chutkin is gonna get this case to trial in a timely manner, I believe beginning on March 4th. If it slides a couple of weeks or a month or so, it, that wouldn't shock me, but she is going to give the people, we the people, our right to a fair trial, a speedy trial, a timely trial. You know, we the people have a right to a fair trial, not just the defendant. He has a right to a fair trial, but so do we, particularly when it comes to the democracy-busting crimes Donald Trump committed, perpetrated against us, right? He tried to override the expressed will of us, we the people, the American voters. Yes, we're victims. And we have a right to a fair trial and a timely trial. And Judge Chutkin is going to do everything in her power. I can feel it in my bones. Everything in her power to make sure this case goes to trial. Coming up next, a proffer video that was leaked to the press could mean big trouble for Trump in his Georgia Rico case. Glenn explains that after a break on Justice Matters. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. 
Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. After flipping and pleading guilty in the Georgia Rico case, Trump co-defendant Jenna Ellis provided videotaped statements to the prosecution. This was leaked to the press by a lawyer. Glenn says this testimony is really incriminating. We may have lost the election, but the boss says we're not going to leave office. Did you see that story this past week, my friends? So as you know, Donald Trump is a defendant in a RICO case down in Georgia being prosecuted by District Attorney Fonnie Willis and her team of prosecutors. And one of the defense attorneys leaked a whole bunch of videotaped statements from some of the co-defendants who have pleaded guilty, flipped, and are now prepared to testify against Donald Trump. People like Jenna Ellis and Kenneth Chesbro and Sidney Powell and Scott Hall, who's the bail bondsman who was, you know, doing some crime with Sidney Powell. Those are the four people who have pleaded guilty, flipped, and provided videotaped statements to the prosecutors, which is basically a preview of their testimony that they will give in future trials against the co-defendants who decide to go to trial. And I just want to talk about one of these proffer statements, these videotaped statements that were leaked by one of the other defense attorneys in the case, leaked to the media, and now a gag order is being put in place by Judge McAfee to make sure this doesn't happen again. And it is the videotape, the proffer given by defendant Jenna Ellis, one of Donald Trump's partners in crime, one of his co-conspirators, one of his co-defendants. Jenna Ellis, one of his corrupt lawyers that was trying to help, you know, use the court system to basically criminally overturn the results of the election. She pleaded guilty. She flipped. She's going to testify against Trump. And her videotaped statement was leaked. And I just want to take up one piece of it. And I just previewed it for you a minute ago. But here is the headline in the ABC News story that broke the Jenna Ellis videotape story. Quote, the boss is not going to leave. Proffer video shows ex-Trump lawyers telling Georgia prosecutors about efforts to overturn the 2020 election. And here is a quote from Jenna Ellis talking about what Dan Scavino told her on December 19, after Trump knew he lost, but when they had hatched the plot to keep Donald Trump in power corruptly, criminally, and unconstitutionally. And remember, friends, if you don't recall who Dan Scavino is, are you sitting down? Dan Scavino was Donald Trump's golf caddy. Only the best people. He was Donald Trump's golf caddy. He had some really important professional experience that prepared him to take a job at the White House. He was a Coca-Cola sales rep. He was a pharmaceutical company sales rep. He was Donald Trump's caddy. He became an assistant manager of one of Donald Trump's golf courses. Donald Trump ended up promoting him to manager of the golf course. Of course, all of that professional experience, to his credit, Dan Scavino, of course, was perfectly positioned to become a high government official in the White House. I wonder what the Dan Scavino interview looked like. 
Well, Dan, I've got your resume here. I see, among other things, you were Donald Trump's caddy and you were, oh, a sales rep for Coca-Cola. Can you tell me a little bit about your time with Coke? Were you one of the guys restocking the vending machine? What were your responsibilities? And at the end of the interview, I guess the interviewer said, well, Dan, you know, the boss does love Diet Coke. So consider yourself hired. Here's your White House badge, credentials. Here's your key to your office. Welcome to the White House. And Dan Scavino would go on to be director of social media for the White House. Interestingly, there was a USA Today article that did a piece on Dan Scavino, and it revealed that Dan Scavino was actually drafting some of Donald Trump's tweets. Now, the article said it was just some of the daytime tweets, not the 2 a.m. unhinged rants. And then they dropped the line that kind of made me laugh in the USA Today article. They said, well, Dan Scavino drafted some of the daytime tweets, at least the ones without spelling errors. Kudos to the author of that article. And then Scavino would go from being director of social media to White House Deputy Chief of Staff for Communications. Because of his weighty professional experience that positioned him perfectly to be among the highest government officials serving at the White House. Okay, so let's go back to Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis, in her videotaped statement that was leaked to the press, said she was talking to Dan Scavino, and Dan Scavino said to her, quote, the boss would refuse to leave the White House despite losing the election. And here is the quote that Jenna Ellis attributes to Dan Scavino. Quote, and he said to me in a kind of excited tone, well, we don't care, and we're not going to leave. Ellis said of the alleged December 19 conversation with Scavino, quote, and I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, the boss, meaning President Trump, and everyone understood the boss, that's what we called him, said Jenna Ellis, quote, the boss is not going to leave under any circumstances. We are just going to stay in power. And Ellis continued, I said to him, well, it doesn't quite work that way, you realize. And Dan Scavino said to her, quote, we don't care, close quote. Friends, you don't need to be a lawyer to realize how dramatically and sharply incriminating that statement is. Trump communicated to Dan Scavino, I don't care that I lost the election. I'm not leaving. I'm not relinquishing power. And when Jenna Ellis confronted Scavino and said it doesn't work that way, he said, we, oh, that's an important pronoun, friends. We're going to talk about it in a minute. We don't care. We ain't leaving. Doesn't that sound like some straight up mob talk? Friends, here is why this evidence is so damaging to Donald Trump and Dan Scavino. Here's why it is so sharply and directly incriminating. First of all, and perhaps most importantly, it proves, once again, Donald Trump's criminal intent, his guilty state of mind, his corrupt mens rea. He didn't care that he lost the election. He wasn't going to relinquish power. And that is a theme that runs through everything Donald Trump did in the run-up to the election, at the time of the election, after the election, and even after he left the presidency. His criminal intent has been shown over and over and over and over again. It will be conclusively proved in court. It may be one of the easiest tasks the prosecutors 
have. Right? I just remember what he told his own DOJ officials. I don't care if there was no fraud undermining my loss. Just say there was and leave the rest to me and my Republican allies in Congress. Criminal intent proved conclusively beyond a reasonable doubt. That's just one example. Right? Mike Pence is another example. Hey, Mike, if you're not willing to overturn the election's results for me, you know what you are, Mike? You're too honest. Criminal intent proved. Why? Because Donald Trump was announcing in those words that he knew, he knew what he was asking Mike Pence to do called for dishonesty. And Pence wouldn't do it. And so Trump said, your problem is you're too honest. Criminal intent proved over and over and over and over again. This is another example of that, friends. When Dan Scavino said, the boss said he ain't leaving, we ain't leaving, we don't care, we're not relinquishing power. Criminal intent proved. Now, there may be a little hiccup, you say. Isn't this hearsay? So when Dan Scavino tells Jenna Ellis that Donald Trump said something to him, that's hearsay. That's an out-of-court statement that if introduced in court for the truth of the matter in the statement, the truth of the words spoken by Donald Trump, it would be hearsay. But here is the beauty of the rules of evidence when you are trying co-conspirators or when there are co-conspirators, even if you're not trying, even if you're only trying one of the conspirators, like Jack Smith is trying Donald Trump standing alone in DC. Of course, Fawny Willis is trying all 19 co-conspirators in Georgia. Here's the beauty of the rules of evidence when it comes to statements by co-conspirators. The law has developed over the years that co-conspirator statements, a statement made by one member of the conspiracy is admissible against that person and against every other person in the conspiracy. Why has the law developed like that? Okay, we gotta do a quick Team Justice Law School class, but I promise, friends, it will be a short one. The law has concluded, and when I say the law, it's actually we the people who elect the representatives who go to Washington and make the federal laws. So, you know, this is, our considered judgment as a society, we have decided, appropriately so in my opinion, that when people band together in a conspiracy, when people join together and enter into a criminal agreement and then take a step toward the commission of the crime they've agreed to commit, that's called an overt act, there's a heightened danger to the public. Because one person committing crime is dangerous, but a whole bunch of people banding together and agreeing to commit crimes is even more dangerous, right? Two criminal heads are more dangerous than one. And five or 10 or 19, as we have down in Georgia, are even more dangerous. So the law says, if you, Mr. Co-conspirator, are in for a penny, you're in for a pound. If you join into a conspiracy with others, then you are criminally responsible for everything those others say and do. That's the cost of joining a conspiracy. So the hearsay rules yield. There's an exception for co-conspirator statements. So when Dan Scavino says, the boss says we ain't leaving, boss says we're not relinquishing power even though we lost the election, that's admissible against Dan Scavino because it comes out of his own mouth. And what somebody says once they're on trial is always admissible against them as a statement of a party opponent if the prosecutor tries to introduce it into evidence, but also because the hearsay rules yield in the setting of a conspiracy. Dan Scavino saying the boss said we ain't leaving is also admissible against Donald Trump because they were in a conspiracy together. That's the beauty of co-conspirator liability and the beauty of the rules of evidence as they apply to co-conspirator statements. I hope I did that explanation justice, friends. I hope I didn't confuse you more than enlighten you. That is the end of today's Team Justice Law School class. But this is a really dramatic development 
Jenna Ellis saying that Dan Scavino and his co-conspirator Donald Trump said we, and that's why I said put a pin in that pronoun, we, we is Dan Scavino virtually announcing I am a member of a criminal conspiracy with Donald Trump and we have decided as co-conspirators we're not leaving power even though we were voted out. Boy, that we is a word that will sink Dan Scavino. Now you might say, well, Glenn, Dan Scavino is not a charged defendant in Georgia or in DC, to which I will say, you're right. He's not a charged defendant yet. But stay tuned, friends. Stay tuned. After the break, more on-again, off-again gag orders for Donald Trump. Glenn explains all that next on Justice Matters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It seems all of the guardrails keeping Donald Trump from saying or posting things harmful about court staff or witnesses are not holding in place. Glenn says we need to stop him once and for all. Okay, friends, let's go from the relatively good news on the legal front to the not so good news and take up the issue of these gag orders, right? In New York, in Washington, D.C., these gag orders that have been on again, off again, on again, off again. It's pretty clear that the criminal justice system has a gag reflex problem, right? These gag orders get put in place and temporarily Donald Trump stops endangering and threatening the witnesses and then they are stayed, they are lifted, they are paused and Donald Trump launches his attacks all over again. I will never understand, friends, never understand how it is the institutions of government, the criminal justice system and the people who populate it are forever willing to sacrifice the safety and well-being of judges and their staff, prosecutors and their staff, witnesses, jurors. They are forever sacrificing the safety of these people who are doing the hard work of trying to hold Donald Trump accountable for his crimes. They sacrifice the safety of these people to Donald Trump's threats, right? His reckless, dangerous rhetoric. I will never understand or be able to explain to anyone's satisfaction why we are sacrificing so much to Donald Trump's crimes and his dangerousness. But we are, we are, certainly with this gag reflex problem that the courts seem to have. So, of course, when the gag orders get paused, temporarily stayed, as both the DC gag order issued by Judge Chutkin and the New York gag order issued by Judge Ngoron are stayed. They're paused presently. They're temporarily lifted while the appellate courts try to figure out whether it's okay to stop Donald Trump from threatening the witnesses and everybody else involved in the endeavor to hold him accountable for his crimes. Once they get stayed, Donald Trump launches his attacks anew. So here's a headline from The Independent. 
brand new reporting. Trump launches fresh attack on court clerk after gag order lifted. And here's just a couple of sentences from that new reporting. Donald Trump launched a fresh attack on the court clerk in his New York civil fraud trial almost as soon as the gag order was lifted in his case. On Thursday, an appeals court judge paused the gag order, which was introduced by Justice Arthur N. Goron, following his previous comments about the court clerk. The former president took to Truth Social to instantly take advantage of the opportunity to attack her and the judge. Quote from Trump, Judge Arthur N. Goron has just been overturned, stayed by the New York State Appellate Division Appeals Court for the fourth time on the same case, his ridiculous and unconstitutional gag order, not allowing me to defend myself against him and his politically biased and out of control Trump-hating clerk who is sinking him and his court to new levels of low is a disgrace, Trump wrote. And he didn't stop there. Here is something else Trump just posted. Trump-hating radical left judge Arthur Ngoron just stayed his gag order, which unconstitutionally prohibited me and my attorneys from talking about important elements of a fraud case where it was he and Letitia James that committed the fraud by knowingly, substantially, and outrageously devaluing my asset values in order to make me look guilty of something which I did not do. A.G. James and Ngoron worked in collusion to make some assets many times lower in value than they are. So friends, the question remains, why? Why are the institutions of government, the courts, the judges, the prosecutors, sacrificing the safety and security, the well-being of the witnesses, of judges and court staff, of prosecutors, of jurors? Why are we sacrificing the safety and security of all of those people in favor of Donald Trump? in favor of letting Donald Trump continue to spew and post his threats, his violent rhetoric. I mean, we know he's inciting people to violence. Just like when he said Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what he should have done, the message was sent to his foot soldiers who were at the Capitol at that moment. Get him, get him, get Mike Pence. And they tried to. We know what Donald Trump does when he posts that Jack Smith is a deranged thug, when he posts all this hateful stuff about Judge Ngoron and Attorney General James. I mean, for gosh sakes, he outright accuses them of committing crimes against him, conspiring, colluding, to commit crimes against him. We know what the message is to his supporters. Get him, get him. Just like I told you to get Mike Pence, get him. And friends, the system, the institutions of government and the people that populate it are letting Donald Trump do it over and over and over again. Why don't we learn our lesson? It's gotta stop. You know, it's got to stop. You know, a gag order is one way to try to control Donald Trump. At least it does seem like for the most part, he obeys the gag order. He's violated, violated it a couple of times in the New York civil fraud case and has been sanctioned. So it's not entirely successful in tamping down his threats, his violent rhetoric, but it seems to deter it somewhat. And yet we keep pausing and lifting and temporarily staying these gag orders. What kind of institutional insanity is that? I don't get it. I don't understand it, but it's got to stop. You know, one way it will stop, you know, it will absolutely stop, 
is if the law asserts itself the way the law was intended and Donald Trump is revoked on pretrial release and detained pending trial. That is one way to make it stop. And the law, the law provides that if somebody is clearly and convincingly, that's the evidentiary standard, if there's clear and convincing evidence that someone poses a danger to the community, to another person, to society, <laughs> in this case to American democracy, if there's clear and convincing evidence of dangerousness, that person should be detained pending trial, not on pretrial release, as Donald Trump is in four, count them four, felony prosecutions, 91 felony charges in federal court, in multiple state courts. Donald Trump is being prosecuted up and down the eastern seaboard. He's endangering witnesses, judges, prosecutors, jurors, and others. And we will not apply the law as it was intended to be applied and revoke him on pretrial release and detain him pending trial. That is institutional insanity. Insanity. And it won't end well if we continue to let Donald Trump endanger everyone who is endeavoring to hold him accountable for his crimes. But there will be another hopefully step forward this coming Monday because that's the day that an appellate court in Washington, D.C. will take up Judge Chutkin's gag order and hopefully will quickly rule that, of course, it is appropriate, lawful, and constitutional. Of course, there's a whole body of case law that says a judge has a right to issue these kind of gag orders to protect the integrity of the proceeding, of the criminal trial, of the due administration of justice. So a good incremental step would be to have the appellate court rule that of course the gag order should be reimposed. I will be in that appellate courtroom, my old stomping grounds. I used to argue criminal appeals before the DC Federal Circuit Court of Appeals. I'll be there on Monday, beginning at 9.30. And what I will do, friends, is I will try to send out the word as promptly as I can at the conclusion of the argument. I'll do it on social media posts. I'll do it on my Daily Justice Matters YouTube videos on my YouTube channel, and I'll try to get the word out as to what I saw, what I heard, and usually the appellate court judges in the questions they pose to the parties, the prosecutors and the defense attorneys, they tend to tip their hand a little bit in their questioning as to what they're thinking and how they might rule. So I have a feeling at the conclusion of the argument, we'll all have a pretty good sense of which way the gag order issue might come out. And I suspect it will come out with the appellate court judges ruling that it is absolutely constitutional and it should be reimposed and it will be reimposed. As of right now, it's only on a brief hiatus, the DC gag order. It's on what's called an administrative stay, which is something the appellate court put in place while it took time to hear oral argument and decide the case. So it's not paused because there's something wrong with it. It's literally just on an administrative pause until the appellate court can rule. So it may be promptly reimposed, assuming the appellate court judges find that it is appropriate, lawful, and constitutional, which it is. So I'll keep you posted, friends, in real time as best I can. And as always, thank you for tuning in to my weekend podcast, the extended version of Justice Matters. If you want to know where else you can find me, I'm on the social media platforms at Glenn Kirshner 2, my name and the number 2. You can also find my daily legal analysis videos on my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. Of course, my audio podcasts drop during the course of the week, and then we do the extended one on the weekend. You can obviously find those wherever you just found this one and where you ordinarily get your podcasts. And you can also go over to patreon.com. If you want to more formally support our all-volunteer efforts, our mission, our content, 
you can go over to patreon.com, sign up to become a patron, and if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers, a personal handwritten note of thanks, and you'll get access to all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff about kind of what we do here at Justice Matters and how we do it. Yes, we're here seven days a week trying to get helpful content out there about what's really going on on the legal landscape. And you'll get to see behind the scenes pictures like my tie rack, which I know everybody is dying to see. Okay, maybe not so much. But um, as I say, you can go over to patreon.com if you wanna more formally support what it is that Team Justice is trying to do here, fighting for what's right, what's decent, what's fair, what's equitable and what is in accordance with our laws and our constitution, because that's the only way, friends, that's the only way we will survive this legal hellscape, you know, on which Donald Trump has placed us all. You know, it's not elections that are gonna save us. They're important, yes, they're critically important that we continue to get to the polls and numbers too big to rig and too real to steal. That's absolutely important, but, with Trump and his Republican lackeys and lapdogs and flunkies and sycophants attacking election results and gerrymandering and passing voter suppression laws, elections are not the be all and end all, particularly now. But you know what is the be all and end all? The application of the rule of law to the crimes of Donald Trump and his many co-conspirators who attempted to keep him in office unconstitutionally and are still attempting to end this great American experiment, our democracy. So it is the rule of law that can save us and I sure as heck hope will save us. I think will save us, but I have to admit the end is as of yet unwritten and it's up to all of us to pitch in and help write that ending. Friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon.